All right, we're off. That was very Enjoying full. my uh, nice zombie dust from the land of Indiana. Mm. So I think I've had that before. You said it's brewed in Indiana? Yeah, Three Floyds Brewery. I don't know exactly in Indiana, but it's Not really yet. solid. Nice. One of my favorites. I'm sure our friend Brian would be able to tell us. We'll ask him later. But, but yeah. so June 15th, you, baby. What were you telling me before we started recording about what would the first show have been? Uh, probably coming up here Thursday-ish sometime. The Detroit has been, I believe, the inaugural show for the last couple seasons, kicking it off. Yeah, I had And even... yeah, we'd be right around the corner if we were on normal operating procedures, but we're not. <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad drum corps fan. I hadn't even thought that maybe the season should have been starting in a couple days until we were talking like for two minutes right before we started this. I feel bad. I'm sh- I'm sure when it hits, a bunch of people will start posting nostalgic videos of like, oh, this was our first show of the summer. Look how terrible we were at the first show, because <laughs> most people are, but it's oh, all good. First shows are really bad. Really bad. I think most I people are just happy mind, to basically. get through that first performance. Especially rookies. Like, you're, you're, you're excited, you're nervous, but, like, the first show, you kind of, like, black out. Or at least I kind of did a little bit. I don't remember. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> we'll just I was go probably just, did. like, in the zone, like, don't screw up, don't screw up. Yeah. Don't screw up. And then inevitably everybody in the core screws up five times minimum. But yeah. There we are. We're just gotta make do. Yep. Ride this summer out. So before we get into today's guest, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and as always with me is Evan Worrell. And before we let him introduce himself or let Evan do his little intro before he introduces himself. Make sure you hit subscribe on YouTube, like, comment on the video, follow us on Facebook and Instagram so to, to you don't miss any updates for the podcast and postings of new episodes. And lastly, not lastly, almost forgot, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe there if you you prefer them over YouTube, and hit us up on patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast if you want to support us financially. So now that that's out of the way... Without further ado, Evan, take it away and let's see where it takes us. Yeah, so the guy joining us today actually was there for my first ever drum corps show uh, teaching me. We spent many hours over a couple summers sharing sweat and sunscreen and bug bites and whatever else you go through during the the season of tour. Uh, but welcome our guest and a friend of mine, former instructor Zach Schlicker. What's up, dude? Hey, guys. How's it going? It's good, man. We're just, you know, making the best of it. That's all we can do, I guess. Trying to survive yeah, quarantine right. like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Zach's yeah. repping his Adidas gear, which we'll get into. It's like a sponsor. <laughs> we got to get you sponsored for Adidas. So always looking fly. But yeah, man, like, I guess this is never a conversation that we've had, even though, like, I spent two whole summers with you. It's always, always kind of mostly business as usual and the occasional joking around here and there, but kind of take us through, man. And then we'll get caught up of where you started. I know you're from Pennsylvania, a town called Yardley, correct? Yeah. Yardley, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So how were you introduced into the, the marching band world and music and kind of indoctrinated into this craziness? Yeah. Um, well, and I'll try to keep this, uh, under, 30 minutes <laughs> as we as we spoke before um no i mean i my I feel like one of my first memories of just a marching band in general was um as a really young kid uh my dad took me to a high school football game and 
uh, was the high school that he actually went to, which then I went to. Um, and when we got to the football game, uh, the stadium was the kind of stadium you like walk underneath and then you come up from underneath into the stadium. And That's we cool. just so happened to come up. Yeah. We just so happened to come up into the section that was right next to the marching band and right at the bottom of the stands, right. When you come out of that little, you know, kind of staircase coming up to the, the, the bottom level there, the drum line was right there. Um, so it was like immediately something that I saw upon kind of entering the stadium. And of course, you know, and you guys know when you hear a drum line or you hear a band, like there's obviously a certain kind of sound. Um, and also, especially with the drums, like the impact of the instrument, like you can feel it in your chest cavity. Yeah. Um, and I just remember feeling that, you know, as a little kid and seeing what was causing that and just being completely, uh, completely enamored with it. And I think from that moment on, and I, I might have been, I honestly don't know how old I was. I might have been four or five, maybe six, it, but it was really young. And I think from that moment on, I was just kind of really just like into the drums, you know. Um, so, you know, as a really young kid, you know, kind of growing up in the area, Yardley, Pennsylvania, in the school district, um, Pensbury School District, um, we would kind of go to the football games, you know, to watch football, but also like I was kind of going to watch the marching band, um, you know, and I had an older sister, a couple years older than me. So, you know, we were kind of always just, you know, doing school things and, you know, being involved. And I knew that, you know, I wanted to be in the marching band. So then I think it was like maybe fourth grade is when you know, the music teachers kind of come around to the elementary schools and kind of, you know, figure out like who's what interested want to do yeah who's interested and, and they do some little exercises you know to kind of figure out what instrument you want might want to play and I remember kind of being in the hallway with who was then my drum teacher you know throughout middle school and high school um and we were guys we were kind of just doing some like basic like almost like stomp like the show the broadway show stomp like yeah 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 stomping our feet and clapping our hands and kind of making up some different little rhythms you know just some physical body drumming kind of stuff um nothing too crazy but you know they just kind of see like okay can you keep a beat can you kind of call and respond you know some mm -hmm. simple things and i think you know that kind of got me going into percussion uh in the school system uh back where i'm from and then you know I, as you go through the music program, at least at my school, you know, you had concert bands and jazz bands. And obviously, once you got to the high school, they had the marching band. And um, that was really what I was really, you know, looking forward to. Um, so, you know, did all the did all the concert bands and the jazz bands and the honor bands in middle school. And then once I got into my freshman year, I auditioned for the drumline and I tried out for the snare line and made it, which was pretty cool i think you know if you're a freshman and you make the snare line anywhere i mean obviously some drum lines in high school are better than others but uh you know <laughs> i think that's kind of a cool thing you know as a, as a as a rookie you know to high school to kind of be in the flat drum section or you know play just play the instrument you want to play um then you're in there with the older kids so that was kind of neat um and then i did marching band for four years um and during that time i remember my first band camp for my freshman year we were having like a drumline sectional at the drum captain or the section leader's house and he popped in dci 1995 finals so this is nice. my first memory of 
at least that I can, and I kind of have a little tangent. That's my first memory, but like, this is my first memory of like watching drum corps and realizing what it was. Um, little, little tangent, I guess is like my parents actually later told me this, but like back in like the eighties, they somehow randomly had drum corps on PBS and I saw it. So I had seen it before. Um, but it was that freshman year in high school band camp when I really kind of understood what it was and, you know, it kind of gave me like another thing to look forward to or to like aspire to kind of be a part of, you know, once high school was over. And at the time I didn't even realize, I mean, I, I saw those videos and I was like, oh my gosh, like, look at these people. They're crazy. Like they're so good. And I didn't realize that they were, you know, high school and college age kids that weren't that much older than I yeah. was. Um, Especially hidden under the shakes because it kind of takes like oh, yeah. that just yeah. level playing field. They just look like machines out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you know, it was just really kind of cool to to see that. And I remember borrowing that videotape from from him and like you know almost wearing it out. But that kind of was the year that kind of got me going. I guess was my freshman year, which was 1997, 1997, 1998 was my freshman year in high school so i did the marching band thing i played snare actually my freshman year and then my sophomore junior and senior year i played uh tenors um which i don't know how many nice. people know that but fun fact i do have a i a found little it bit of tenor, yeah <laughs> yeah tenor experience uh, uh actually my senior year i was the only tenor player and i was i just like made up parts i feel like at every show i mean <laughs> Dude, that's the best they can't call you out man <laughs> i know solo um, action so yeah that's kind of that was my start um you know as a young kid and of course pots and pans when i was a little baby but you know um you know just seeing the marching band as a little kid and kind of getting hooked and then going through the school program and doing percussion i took piano lessons during that time as well um yeah and so did you take court. any private lessons throughout high school or anything like that yeah, I did. Um, nothing. I never really had, um, you know, like uh, like a marching specialist teaching me. I mean, like my my percussion teacher, um, you know, was kind of focused on. We spent a lot of time on drum set, um, and I certainly learned my rudiments. But like my high school was never really known for the marching program. I mean, the marching band was decent. Um, I'm not. I actually don't follow too much. I'm not sure what kind of condition they're in these days, but. Um, they were decent, um, and you know the musicianship was always pretty good, but the style of show was nothing like what you'd see a drum corps do, or you know a, a group with Bands of America, or even WGI. You know, it's just a completely different kind of style of band. Um, and the the program was much more known for the jazz, the jazz programs. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time, you know, doing jazz and being in the jazz ensembles and doing this festival and that festival and, you know, traveling to kind of do that thing. But, um, I did take private lessons, um, you know, all the way through, I, I want to say I maybe started private lessons in like fifth or sixth grade and then went all the way through my senior year, uh, with the same, with the same teacher the whole time. So Joe nice. Alecandro, he always used to say talk is cheap. And I'm sure I maybe said that to you at one point, because <laughs> I know I just said it, I just said it this morning to a private lesson student probably um, I, i'm sure true. that you did i mean it is and, and plus like a lot of the things that i said are probably regurgitations of things that you or lee or tim jackson or the people that taught me said i'm just like of filtering course. it through so yeah like 
the the amount of knowledge that you gain from you know just one individual much less you know all of the people you've ever worked with i mean you know, I'd like to kind of like I'm, I'm my own self, but like, you know, having learned from guys like Tom Hannum and Tom Angst and Colin McNutt and Lee Bettis and, you know, then kind of getting to work with different people, Scott Johnson and, you know, just you keep kind of going with the list of people and they become your colleagues, you know, later in life. It's just there's definitely uh, phrases and quotes. And of course, with Hannum, uh, <laughs> he's one of the most one of the most quotable quotable uh, percussion guys i know oh. but yeah i mean it's i think it's all about who you who you spent your time with and kind of pulling the good stuff and and applying it to what you do so sure what's the yeah. what's what's the most quotable hanum thing what's his most like, oh famous gosh. quote i'm putting you on the spot here a little bit um well i'm gonna i'm gonna say the quote but then it's actually it drops off because then you could you could fill it in with a number of like anything after this. So it, the first, the quote is this: "It's fellas," <laughs> and and then and then you you go from there. So he always starts yeah. with fellas. fellas. Nice. So <laughs> to to keep us moving here, I was. How did I how did I do on my time for my intro? I was oh, way you're under Adam you're North. Dude, that is great. You're perfect. Nailed it. Nice. You're natural. So okay. I feel like the natural question here is I had no idea that you played quads for three years. How did you end up because obviously your whole drum corps career was snare drum, as far as I know at least. Right. How yep. if you played quads That's for right. three years, then how did you end up on playing snare drum did you always prefer snare drum and just played quads out of a necessity or did you just randomly change one day what did how did that happen i i think i'm i've always been a snare drummer i mean um you know as i said at my freshman year i auditioned for snare like i definitely didn't try out for anything else um and i enjoyed snare and then i think you know i kind of i'm not sure i remember exactly i think it might have been more necessity for me to move over to quads um my sophomore year and then kind of stayed that way and then there was yeah like i think it was more a necessity if i'm just kind of remembering the best i can back so, to those times um so were you not still that playing a lot of snare drum just like on your own outside of oh, marching band yeah absolutely like i i eventually like got my own snare drum because i knew that you know okay the equipment that we used at my high school it was nothing like like it was like 80s like mm. 80s series marching percussion like so the the drums that had since been developed were completely different and i knew that if i wanted to march drum corps um i was going to need to play on an instrument that was you know uh comparable to those instruments so i finally sure. got a drum in high school you know and, and i would practice that you know all the time i think my my whole town was like what is is there somebody like rapid fire out here like what's going on <laughs> somebody have like an automatic weapon because i used to just play it out in my yard you know and marching snare drum is loud you know so Very loud. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no awesome. really it's not um but no I, I i enjoyed playing quads i think you know like my drum set background allowed me to kind of have a little bit of an easier transition into playing quads you know with navigating around the drums and you know kind of the that whole aspect of quad drumming, but you know, I was never like, I was never, you know, a, a quad aficionado. Like, you know, I would not be able to kind of 
hang with guys like Tim Jackson or like Nick RC or my boy Danny G from from Boston, but uh, and Paulie Winterhalter too. But um, <laughs> you know, I can I can I can hang to a certain extent. And of course, in high school, you know, I'm like I told you guys, I was like making up my own parts. So. <laughs> <laughs> So um, then you go through high school. You were actually close to the Allentown. I saw in an interview you said you went to DCI Allentown as like a sophomore, which I'm pretty envious yeah. of because if that was still in the same schedule, like towards the end of the season, and that's such a like fun lot experience as a member in the outside J. Bernie Crumb and like the park and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, was it still at the end of the year back then too? Oh, yeah, yeah. The DCI East is um, – I mean, as far as I know, it's always been kind of in that early August, um, you know, just a week or, you know, depending on the calendar, like a week before finals or two weeks before finals. Um, but yeah, kind of that end of year. But yeah, 1998 Allentown was my first live drum corps show that I went That's to. Sick. Yeah, it was really cool. And I just remember like showing up to the stadium and experiencing exactly what you just kind of said, you know, that the park and, you know, all the trucks and the just people everywhere and you can hear drum lines and horn lines and there's color guards and like the whole thing is just like everybody's cranking you know and then you go and find your seat and that stadium is super iconic to the drum corps world um as yes. it kind of sits in the side of a hill um and actually when i back then that was a grass field and it was like not good i remember marching on it actually before they changed it to turf that thing was rough it was like the surface of the moon it was bad <laughs> like, oh gosh i can no imagine because yeah yeah the, 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 par- the parks and everything nearby it <laughs> oh yeah absolutely um, oh, oh man. but yeah just getting into the stadium and kind of like you know seeing those first drum corps kind of roll on i remember les etoiles they don't even exist anymore but i remember them playing they were small like um division three corps at the time when we had division one two and three before they changed to world and open and you know in retrospect they you know they were okay obviously uh but like i remember being like oh my gosh they're so good like oh wow like they're so good little did i know like later in the evening you know the drum corps were going to drastically change in terms of their size and also excellence um but i just enjoyed it all the way you know like from the beginning to the end i thought it was just the coolest thing so that is funny to me like the perspective of it when you're that young and inexperienced like even the Mm -hmm. lowest level drum cores are just the coolest thing ever. And they sound perfect because your ears aren't trained like they are now. It's it's still infinitely better than any high school group you've seen at a high school competition. Like it's just crazy how, how like, I don't want to use the word naive, but you're just, it's like ignorance is bliss a little bit. I was just going to say that I was going to be like, it's like Cypher from the matrix. You know, ignorance is bliss. It's like, it's almost like the training now that we have with our, you know, having done this for so many years with multiple groups, it's like now I sit there and I'm like, none of this is any good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's 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 like a blessing and a burden at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, of course I wouldn't trade and go back, but yeah, when you don't really realize the nuances, um, you know, even though some things are blatant, they're not a nuance. Um, but you know, if you're not really trained to that level, it, you just it's like we said. ignorance is bliss you just love it you know so you don't know what you don't know but that's a good year too cadets had the stonehenge show and oh yeah did that west side story that year or something yeah it was like um west side story and romeo and juliet kind of smashed together it was really really good yeah dude late 90s drum corps was just good it's a good good era in the activity so then 
you went to college before your first official year of drum corps, correct? No, I actually. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I actually, I guess I ended my introduction at, at high school, the end of high school, right? So I marched in high school, um, and then I think it was my junior year. Um, going into my junior year, I kind of decided, like, okay, you know, I think I want to try out for drum corps, you know, and this was as a 15-year-old. I would have turned, is that right? 15, 16, 16, 17. No, I guess I would have been 16. Anyway, Um <laughs> 16 years old trying and I you know the cadets were at that point still out of Bergen County um, New Jersey which is up by New York City which is for me to get there you know I've, I have cousins that live up there but it's like an hour and a hour some hour and change it's not that nice um, so you know to have a drum corps like that virtually you know local I mean that's not everybody has that you know in their backyard like that, you know, not, not that it's my backyard, but it was close enough. You know, I didn't have to get on a plane to go to audition. I didn't have to get a plane, go on a plane, you know, if they, if I earned a spot to go be at the camps and stuff like that. Um, so that was, you know, a nice advantage to the location, but yeah, I decided to go try out and kind of like, I was really nervous, obviously. Um, and that was in November of 1999. So this would have been, for the 2000 season. Nice. Um, yeah, so I made it through to January camp, and it was 13 snares at the January camp, and we were, like, playing the opener, um, which was from the We Are the Future show, right? The 2000. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the future now ca- or something. Chaos. Yeah. yeah, the chaos opener was awesome, The you know, the Disney fireworks show. But anyway, um, I remember kind of finishing that camp and, you know, they they pulled me into the room at the end of the weekend and, you know, they said, you know, hey, you know, at this point, we're going to let you go. You know, we think, you know, you've got you need a little bit more experience. You're a little young at 16, you know, and in in that year they had eight vets in the snare line and they (laughs) took two rookies to make a 10 man snare line. And the two rookies were like vets of other drum corps. So like here's little old 16 year old me who's never marched a drum corps ever. And I'm like, all right, well, okay, cool. I guess I got kind of far. And they were like, we think you should go march somewhere else. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was my junior year. So I did the rest of my junior year. And I just practiced and practiced and practiced. And then I went back uh, the next the next fall, you know, for auditions for 2001. So this is my senior year in high school at this point. And uh, I got a spot. And so that was, I graduated high school. I actually graduated, um, I did all my work early. Like I, you know, I had the core kind of like right away because when you're in high school and I, you know, I know different high schools graduate or their year, there's academic years kind of end at different times. Like here in Indy school is, it's like crazy. Like school starts in like July or something like not where I'm from. Like school would be ending sometime in June, like late in June forever because we'd have a million snow days and, You know, then you start after Labor Day kind of thing. So, you know, drum corps starts in mid-May, you know, so I'm still going to be in school for like a month, you know. So I had to kind of take all my finals and finish everything early, um, which I did. And the school signed off on it. And, you know, I was able to kind of move in on time, 
which was super cool to leave high school early because I just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, how you're, 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 that senior, you're like, I, I gotta get out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I moved in on time and then I did have to go back. I had to like go back and march in the Memorial Day parade and I went back to graduate and walk and everything and, um, you know, do a, you know, a spring concert or something like that. But that was about it, you know, and spring training was, uh, at that time up near Allentown. So that, we were talking about that earlier. I lived about an hour, about an hour and a half south of Allentown. So again, not a, not a bad drive, you know, to pop in no, and out of spring all. training to go like do a high school thing. So got to go graduate guys. See you in two days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I graduated and then that was my first summer of drum corps, which was 2001 with the cadets. And actually you guys were talking about this earlier about your first show. And I remember my first show, I was, I thought I was going to throw up, but like, <laughs> I, I was so nervous. And like, Mike, I think you said you were like blacked out and then Evan, yeah. you were like, I don't even remember. <laughs> I'll um, look it up here in a second I, though. I was right there with you guys, man. Like I was super nervous and, um, I just remember like feeling I was like, I was going to throw up before we took the field. And then you, you know, the adrenaline's going and you take the field and then you're just kind of in go mode, you know, the muscle memory kind of kicks in mm -hmm. and, of course, there's like you said, a million mistakes. Like we had, it was on a baseball field. We were in Buffalo. So we had to like, I remember marching the last drill set of the show, which was a chorus of at like 208 beats a minute at like a six to five on the diagonal or something crazy. Um, Sounds about the right drum for line the had to like go. Yeah. The drum line had to like go over the pitcher's mound. So I remember like <laughs> crabbing to my right and like going up over the pitcher's mound and like coming down. I was like, what is going on? That's funny. But, yeah. uh, like yeah, my first uh, show, like I said, you said I blacked out and I'll, I, yeah. I vividly remember standing. Like I have the images imprinted in my brain of like the gate, like standing at the gate. I remember like what the crowd, the wall of people, it was a Michigan show. I don't remember exactly what it was or where it was, but somewhere in Michigan that year in 2010. Mm -hmm. And I remember the crowd. I remember the stadium, but like absolutely nothing about the show. Or anything yeah, after it. Nothing. I just looked it up. 2009, weird. the first show was Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I don't remember that show from 2009, oh, yeah. but I remember it from 2010 because we tore so bad. Um, <laughs> oh, so yeah. I remember that Actually, stadium. I remember that too. And then uh, our second show of 2009 was the Annapolis show at the Naval Academy, and I do remember that one. So. <laughs> that's a good show. I, I like that stadium. That's a, that's a fun one. I was it was really fun. Annapolis is probably really cool. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. So first year, so not to gloss over this, but your first year marching with the cadets, you guys go on to end up eventually win the high percussion Fred Sanford Ward um, for one of three consecutive years. That was the first one. Do you remember that summer being like super challenging or thinking like, this is what I thought this would be. This is way harder than I thought this would be. Cause the cadets are pretty notorious for just like, we're going to put our nose to the grindstone and sure, we're just, yeah. we're going to work. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously as a first year member, your mind is, I mean, I you know, can speak from my own experience, but like, <laughs> I think you guys would agree with this. Like as a first year member, your mind is in so many different places. And honestly, you know, there's just the level of survival in yeah, there. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that being said, it's like my second and third and fourth, and then, you know, going on to be, you know, an instructor, and so on like my mind has 
drastically changed how I like handle it. But like, you know, in 2001, I remember obviously survival mode. Don't don't tick. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't take a wrong step. Like, you know, just all the details, which, you know, those details didn't go away. But like how you think about them, I guess, kind of your mind goes to a little bit more at ease over, you know, the years of experience of doing it. Um, but yeah, I remember in, you know, one, it was extremely challenging. I mean, as a, this is my first year marching drum corps. Uh, it's also at the cadets, you know, which is, you know, uh, you know, the cadets are a top level drum corps. It's like, that's challenging in itself. Right. Yeah. The um, standard. Yeah. And obviously the standard that's there with that, that kind of a group, you know, not only as a drum corps, but especially, you know, with that percussion section, you know, just super tough. I mean, fast, you know, big drill moves, a lot of notes, you know, like, and I just always kind of associated this like kind of pristine clarity, even if it wasn't, you know, like with, with the cadets, um, you know, so just trying to live up to that standard uh, and then being surrounded with people that I looked up to, you know, from 2000 and 99 and 98, 97, like I marched with people that were in those drum corps. So like, I'm trying to, you know, be them and not disappoint, you know? So, uh, yeah, it was definitely very challenging. And, you know, in particular for that percussion section um, coming off of 2000, you know, there were several age outs. So it was, you know, every, every group every year is a new makeup, right? Your membership is not the same identically every year, right? You know, so some years you retain more, some some years you don't, whether it's age outs or people, you know, not marching or going on to march somewhere else or whatever. Um, you know, so with a, a slightly relatively newer group, you know, things, it took a little bit longer to get to that level of, of clarity and quality that we were going for. Um, you know, of course, I have no basis for anything, really, because this is my first time doing it. So, but yeah, I just remember it being an extreme challenge. I remember being at uh, April camp, actually, and that was the first time we put the drums on. And I remember, like, doing a little tracking block, marching and playing. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. And we were just <laughs> tracking. Like, we were literally doing, like, a figure eight block. And I remember thinking to myself, like, am I going to be able to do this? <laughs> so... You know, obviously the rest is history, but yeah, that, that year was, was tough, but you know, we had great instructors and great leadership inside the, inside the line, um, you know, and obviously the, the work ethic of the core and the mentality there, um, you know, all those things together, whether you win or lose at the end of the day, I mean, I, you know, we were pretty successful even without even without the title, but I mean, obviously the title's a nice little award at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice cherry. It's like a little feather yeah. in your cap yeah. to kind of, yeah. You're speaking the instruction there. Um, obviously Tom was there. Eric yep. was there for all of your years, Eric right? Ward. Eric Ward. Yeah. Eric Ward was my snare tech all four years. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was cool to kind of have uh, him, you know, which was again, somebody that I looked up to, uh, you know, he marched in the early mid nineties, I think 93, four, five, Eric marched in the snare line at Cadet. Something, so something like that, yeah. you know, that, yeah, that 95 drum line, like I said, back into my freshman band camp, you know, when I, when we popped that VHS and it was like, I'm looking at my future snare tech. I didn't realize at the time, but 
Yeah, he was he was great, man. Like super tough, uh, tough guy. And you know, he I remember over the years he and I got into it, but it was always, you know, hey man, it's cool. Don't worry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that. Or you know, like I know what you're talking about. I just I got frustrated. You know, like but he was great, man. <laughs> Would you say awesome. that the title of Drum Yoda is appropriate for him? <laughs> Drum Yoda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're. <laughs> the things that he would do, you know, you walk up, I'll always remember this, like, and I, you may have experiences like this now as teachers. Like I know I do when I walk up to one of my students drums and I play on their drum and I, I'm not watching myself drum. I'm watching their face, you know, yeah. saying like to see the, see the reaction out of them, whether it's like the feeling that they get when I drum on their drum or how it sounds to them. Like I remember having that kind of, uh, a reaction when Eric would come up and drum on our drums, it was like he would play with such intensity uh, in, you know, through the surface that like you'd actually, somebody walk up, to, walked up to your drum and like put their hand down on your drum and you like <laughs> bent forward a little bit. Like I remember like my body like vibrating with, whenever he would play and we'd just be like, Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the, I actually the quality have one of those like through the roof. I have one of those stories with you too. I remember in 2009, Specifically, you were drumming on someone's drum, like a part, but you had a Gok Block and a Gatorade bottle, like a Gok Block uh -huh. in one hand and a Gatorade bottle in the other hand. And you were like stroking out playing the parts. And I'm sitting there thinking, how the hell is he playing this part? And I'm like over here trying to play with sticks. Like he's got a Gok Block <laughs> and a Gatorade bottle. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on? That's funny. That actually, I think that was probably an impression of Colin McNutt. He used to. <laughs> He used to come up to our drums at UMass, which I guess we can talk about later. But um, uh, he'd be like, he'd come up with like some, like a cowbell in one hand and then like, I don't know, a, a coffee cup or like a broken drumstick in his other hand. And he'd say, oh, match my sound. And he'd play something on the drum. Match my sound. <laughs> um, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're playing with a cowbell, you know? But, <laughs> So we're oh, talking man, about the memories. intensity. We're talking about the intensity of obviously your first summer, and you go on to do three more: um, 2002, 2003, 2004. Obviously, 02 and 03. You guys take home two more titles at the end of the summer. I know Tom had talked mm -hmm. to when we had him on about the 03 summer specifically, saying like it. You guys never really, at least scores wise, ended up on the top till like much later in the, the summer the end yeah actually and i remember like both of those years you know 02 and 03 being drastically different from one another um but the thing that was similar about both of them is both of those drum lines well and 01 too but i guess i, I didn't realize as much but 02 and 03 like it took us it took us a long time to get to that zone where you know we uh we were rewarded competitively especially 03 um which i can you know agree with tom on that one 03 i remember it was let's see who was santa clara vanguard was also really really strong uh, mm -hmm. that year in percussion and you know towards the end of the season it was kind of them and a little bit of us but it would be them and then i'm sure blue devils were in the mix somewhere um you know, so I remember we were actually at the Westchester show, which was at the time right before Allentown. So this was like maybe the the Thursday night before Allentown, DCI East. And actually Mark Thurston is judging drums, um, which was 
rare, I, I, <laughs> but uh, kind of cool at the same time, Mark Thurston. But I remember he had Vanguard up that night. And I don't remember how much by. Um, I'm sure, Evan, you could probably pull up a recap oh, somewhere. Uh, so this would be Westchester 2003. I'm pretty sure he had Vanguard up. And then the next night, we were at Allentown, or maybe it was Saturday night, you know, a couple days later. And Vanguard was also there with us on that night. And uh, Prospery was judging. And I believe we came out on top in percussion at Allentown. And then I don't think we lost after that, if I remember correctly. I mean, I could be wrong. But um, I'm pretty sure we didn't lose um, quarters, semis, or finals. But yeah, I mean, like, okay, last week of the season, you know. Good time to peak. Kind of there. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, you know, you know, uh, you want to make sure you're playing great, um, you know. But the panel, you know, having having the right panel, obviously, you know, that's a conversation maybe for later. But you know, having having a panel that is favorable for you always helps. Um, Having somebody that's on the field that's willing to judge on the show of the night always helps. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Uh, I th- not to get political, but I think in the current state of DCI, there's a little bit of a little slotting that goes on every now and then. I mean, I'll, but... I'll, I'll, I'll come out and say it. I mean, <laughs> that, that 100% happens. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta so. check with my lawyer. Can, can I talk about slotting? <laughs> <laughs> I will not comment on. <laughs> I plead the fifth. slotting. No, we've we've talked about that on here ad nauseum over the past couple of years yeah. of doing this. It's sometimes it's kind of not obvious, and sometimes it's really obvious, and that's as detailed as I'll get on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's good. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Yeah, moving yeah. on. Moving on. So um, what was your, so you marched oh one oh two oh three and oh four all of the cadets. You were only yep. the center in oh. Were you the center in oh four? Yes. Okay. You guys were, from my understanding, that was like a more of a. You had a lot of age outs in oh three, and then it was yeah. a little more green rookie oriented the next summer. Yeah, especially in the center line. So in oh three, we aged out. We had we actually every year I marched, we always started with ten snares. <laughs> oh, one, two, three, four. We always started with 10 snares and we never ended with 10 snares. Um, in Was that 01, due to injury? Had, um, in 01, one guy just didn't show up to spring training. What? So that's, <laughs> what? That's, that's an easy way to get cut. Uh, yeah. He just cut himself. I mean, he was a great player, um, but he just didn't show up. And then the other guy got injured and then he went into the pit. So, yeah, it was an injury. Uh, 2002 was an injury and there was actually two girls in the snare line that year. Uh, one of which, um, was injured and she ended up doing the rest of the season in the pit. And then in 03, yep. Another injury ended with nine. And then in 04, Heidi, actually her and I, her, uh, Heidi and I split center in 04 with 10 and then she got hurt. And then I ended up being the actual uh, center of the snare line with nine snares. So, so, so what I'm hearing you were the here only is... vet in that, right? Was, sorry, were you the only vet in 04? Yeah, in 04. Sorry, uh, I tangented there. Tangented. Um, is that a word? But yeah, in 04, 
we had Heidi and I were the only vets and then she got hurt. And so that left me with four rookies on each side. Brand new. So what I'm hearing is cadets drill is hard. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's definitely tough, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to just say that doing hard drill is like the basis for being injured. I mean, I never, you know, I never was injured. You know, obviously you have aches and pains and soreness and mm-hmm. from overuse. Like I got shin splints. I remember my my lower outside of my shins, like above my ankles, getting really swollen, especially like the older I got and the later in the season it got. Like I remember in 03 and 04 in particular, my last couple of years, like my, my legs – just got really like it just it, it was not great i mean i but i was i wasn't like injured you know what i mean mm-hmm. i was just like ah yeah. my my legs are hurting you know what i mean <laughs> um you know but you know everybody's bodies are are different um you know the the level of training that you do before you come into uh you know an activity like drum corps it's i mean it's it's certainly not uh, an activity that doesn't have stress you know, like sure. the physical stress, the the emotional stress, the mental stress. I mean, it's as much as we love it all, it's definitely a difficult thing, you know, like in all For ways. Sure. So, but I guess point being as I was never injured. So, but yeah, the cadet drill is hard, but you know, <laughs> like that's, that's, it's exciting why, though. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, like I wouldn't maybe, you know, I wouldn't want to have marched if the drill wasn't the way it was, you know, like no. that was part of what made it attractive for me to want to go there among other things, but like, yeah, the drill being super crazy and awesome. No, nope. it's part of it, you know? So it's, and when you're out there doing it, it's like, yeah, this is, yeah, this is it. This is what I thought. This is nope. hard, but yeah, you know? <laughs> so we said the 04 line had a low four snare line uh, specifically had a lot of rookies. I think mm-hmm. a guy that I've taught with from Louisville here uh, locally, was in that 04 snare line, Seth Whitaker. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember Seth. Yep. yep. And then he actually went on, I think he was the section leader maybe in 06? Yeah. yeah. He was the center yeah. in 06, and then he marched as well yeah. uh, in 05. In 05, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Small yeah, world. I actually, I actually saved him from getting cut in 04. <laughs> Do tell. Do tell. Well, he had come in, and I, you know, and I know you guys know Jared Andrews. Yeah. Um, he and I were seat partners actually for three years because we marched together 0234 and then he went to Devs in 05. Um, but we were seat partners and Jared and Seth were friends. You know, mm-hmm. I think they went to, went to Moorhead maybe yep. together. Yeah. Or... Yep. yep. Anyway, so Jared, I think, brought his buddy Seth up to camp and like, you know, here I am kind of meeting, hey, Jared, what's up? You know, like, good to see you again. And this is Seth. Hey, Seth, nice to meet you. And, you know, you're just, you know, drumming together and checking the hands out and this and that. And, you know, I could tell, like, all right, this guy's got it. You know, like, he he has what it takes. His hands look good. He, you know, kind of comes from comes from a zone that, like, I think, didn't Eric Ward go to Moorhead? At yeah, yeah that you know, there's like, a lineage. That's like Mike, yep. mine and Mike's lineage, like, Eric was at Moorhead the same time my high school instructor and Mike's high school instructor were at Moorhead. And so, like, that whole kind of thing just stayed, that culture from the mid-90s really on. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, so Seth came along, and I could tell, like, you know, okay, cool, like he could he could definitely do this. But anyway, he he came to camp and like he wasn't very prepared. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> Tom was gonna Tom was gonna cut him, and I Tom's was like, big on yeah. preparedness. Well, and you know, rightly so. I mean, certainly if you want to get a spot anywhere or get the job, like mm-hmm. you don't want to go in and not be prepared, right? Um, so, but anyway, he, he came in and he wasn't as prepared as he should have been. And Tom was, you know, going to cut him. And I think the cool thing about, um, you know, kind of creating a membership, um, you know, at any place, it's like, I really think that it's cool like, with a guy like Tom. And I know Colin does this too. Like when they talk to the vets, you know, like, Hey, what's the, what's your vibe? Like we're thinking about, these are who we're looking at and how is it gelling, you know, when we're, when the staff isn't there, you know, how is it when you guys hang out, you know, at the end of the rehearsal and when you're having food and when you're on a pad, like what's the vibe, you know? So, you know, I remember Tom kind of talking about that and I was like, listen, you know, I know Seth didn't prepare, but like, he's, he's a cool dude. He's got what it takes. He's going to be fine. Like, I think we sh- I think you should not cut him. Anyway, that's what happened. But um, <laughs> what's that good for him? I need to be able to make fun of him next time I see him. And- did, yeah, did, you're, was he you're more welcome, prepared Seth. the next camp? Oh, I would, I would, yes. I think <laughs> <you> so. <laughs> like, dude, so if you that, if you come to next camp and you're not prepared, like, come on, man. I, can, like, I, I can't save you again. You. I can't you're do it toast, again. Yeah. I use my one yep. pass. One get out of jail free card. <laughs> so that 04 summer was unique. Um, you guys did the tour of champions that year. I, in my yeah. head, just imagine that, like, getting done with finals – and having to think about like, all right, the season, the competitive season is pretty much over. Yeah. That I would just like check out and be like, oh, we really got to go out to California and do this. Like, what's this yeah. like? Can we just like go to California and not play? <laughs> wait, wait, what right, happened yeah. in 04? So after yeah. DCI finals, they did what they called the Tour of Champions, which they have something now, but it's a little bit different. Where there was like There's five a, or six cores. <laughs> it's like five or six cores, like a. Uh, it was like the Cadets, Cavaliers, Blue Devils, Vanguard, Phantom Regiment, Phantom, and I feel like and, Scouts maybe. And and Madison, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was and they did the like champ- an extended tour. It was the tour champion course, yeah. And so you, yeah, so, you guys went from Denver, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Denver, and we traveled out to California. We actually stopped in Utah, I think it was, at like some university. I don't remember which one it was, but all six cores stopped at this university, and it was really cool, actually. We all the all six of the food trucks were kind of parked in a parking lot in a circle. So it was like you could go around to anybody's food truck. Like they just served food all at the same time. Um, and this was only this was only for like a day, like two days, maybe a day, two days, something like that. Um, but yeah, all the food trucks were in a circle. Everybody was mingling and you know eating off each other's food trucks and and then each core had like a, an allotted rehearsal time in the, in the stadium at this university. So yeah, that was that. And then we kind of proceeded on to California, which I think we started, uh, I actually can't remember if we started in NorCal or SoCal. I guess it doesn't really matter, but anyway, we kind of did a little, we just did a little California tour. Uh, we played at Qualcomm stadium, which is where the chargers played i don't know if they still play there i don't think they play there anymore but we played at qualcomm we played at the rose the rose bowl in pasadena 
Um, I believe we played at Stanford. Um, and then we also did some cool kind of like theater in, you know, indoor, not really like blast, but like, you know, in a, in a theater setting. So, you know, it's got that kind of indoor sound, which is, I thought was always cool. Like the drum corps playing inside, inside a theater like that. Was Crazy just a loud. Different, yeah, it was the awesome. The volume levels would be nuts. Yeah. You know, some, some of those experiences were pretty cool, but you know, like you were saying, like, yeah, you just spent a whole tour you know, invested in all ways, you know, grinding it out, you know, doing your very best. And then, you know, finals comes and you, you're done. And then, you know, everybody is ready to, you know, go, I guess, you know, and here we have another week of this stuff. So um, they actually had us paired up the drum corps. So cadets and blue devils stayed at a housing site to, like, together. Um, Cavaliers and scouts stayed at a housing site together and Phantom and Vanguard stayed together. Um, but I remember very distinctly the cadets, like we get to California and we wake up like maybe a half hour later than we would have woken up on tour, like actual tour. It's like, Oh, cool. Thanks for that 30 minutes. Um, and we're out there rehearsing. Like we're out there, like we painted a field and set up page one and like reset. And like, we're looking all the blue devils, like their whole caravan is there, but there's no one to be seen. Like there's not a soul in sight. And after like maybe two hours of rehearsal, like I, I look to my left across the field and I see like a one kid like pushing a marimba, you know, like, and slowly the whole drum corps, all of the blue devils like trickled out to the field. <laughs> they, set, they set up, did a run through and then tore down. That's that's what it was. And we're out there like rehearsing the closer, you know, with the metronome, like oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, that the whole rehearsal thing kind of eased over time. Like we virtually kind of ended up not rehearsing as it went on, but yeah. It was definitely uh, an experience, you know, <laughs> after drum corps tour, you know, going and doing that. Um definitely unique. And yeah, the the tour of champions now it's it's virtually not like that at all it's kind of the toc shows if you will like they're in the middle of the season it's you know it's kind of random uh random shows but it's kind of like a, a headliner show you know yeah. like the, you'll see like the best cores at those shows like the top eight or something at the yeah. time of the year so the, i guess this will like, be it's in the season so it's not like an extra you know yeah which is kind of cool. It's nice to not have to worry about that afterwards. <laughs> For sure. Um, I guess this will be a good segue into like the teaching portion and stuff too. So while you were marching and doing your competitive tour, you were also attending UMass, which is obviously mm -hmm. where uh, Tom Hanum, Colin McNutt, Jeff Hope all were, um, mm -hmm. which then I'm sure fed into your connection and networking for teaching. Um, but so obviously you met Colin met tom doing the umass yep. thing when did that whole like kind of connection bleed into like oh i'm gonna end up going to teach scouts now um yeah so let me think here um at umass um a lot of the guys that i marched with at cadets were also students there um one in particular is dude chris vale who was my section leader at cadets every year that i marched aside from my age out year he aged out in 03 um but I mean, we were like, you know, to this day, best friends, um, but he aged out in 03 and then Colin, um, 
Colin was, I guess he had finished at Glassman in 02, and then he was at Magic in 03. And then in 04, he took the uh, percussion gig at the Madison Scouts. And so he actually hired Chris Vale to be the snare tech for the 04 scout season, which I was still marching at cadets at the time. Um, but anyway, Chris had marched at cadets for like five years, like 99 through 03. So he was really, you know, a Tom, Tom Unks student as, as well as a Colin and Tom Hannum student. But anyway, did this season at scouts in 04. And then Tom Unks called Chris and hired him to be the snare tech at, at cadets, which had, you know, allowed the scouts snare tech uh, position to kind of vacate and obviously I aged out in 04 I was a student at UMass and so Colin you know having been a student of Colin's there he kind of jumped on jumped on the opportunity I guess to kind of pick me up right out of um, you know my age out year um, with Chris going over to cadets so he I think he called me one day it was like maybe September October of 04 and He's like, come on, we're going to go have lunch at uh, the Fresh Side, uh, which is like a little restaurant in Amherst. And, you know, long story short, he asked me if I wanted to, you know, I was interested in being the snare tech for scouts. And I said, you know, in my mind, I was like, yes, absolutely. Like immediately. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I said out loud, I was like, let me think about it for 24 hours or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> But I had kind of already made up my mind because, um, you know, when I was marching in drum corps, I mean, I, you know, going back to way, you know, kind of the beginning of the conversation, it's like I, I wanted to be in, in a band, a drum line since I was like four or five years old. So, like, this is something that I want to do. And now as a, an age out, you, it's like ripped away from you, you know, like, yeah. what do I do? Um, and, you know, I, we haven't really talked about WGI, but like my high school wasn't in the WGI scene. WGI wasn't as big in the area, you know, at the time when I was kind of coming up. So my exposure to WGI wasn't until almost too late to be a member. So you really kind of, I guess, just needed like, what's the next step in like filling oh, yeah, this lifelong that's exactly what it was yeah it's like what am i going to do next after i age out and you know of course you want to like i knew that i wanted to teach but like where am i going to teach well there's no jobs oh yes there is and colin's asking me to to do it so like that was a really easy yes for me um but yeah he got me kind of my first my first official teaching gig in drum corps with the scouts for oh it's a good gig i love those those scouts drum lines oh five oh six didn't use scoops uh had some really yeah. tasty cowbell beats. The Nutchida, yeah, I think that was my first uh, first viewing or hearing of that. And I was like, what What are they playing? What's this thing? Yeah. What's the rhythm? I feel like the Nutchida came about maybe in 04. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, very, you know, what, a year earlier than that. But yeah, I do remember kind of hearing some of that stuff in the 04 book. But yeah, we definitely played them in 05. And then, you know, those kind of evolved into sausage linkers, as our buddy uh, James Sparling would probably say that he invented, <laughs> I'm sure. Right? Uh, does he try to claim that? Um, I think he does, but I think it's correct. I mean, I think he did make it up. It was in that crown cadence. Those were... Uh... Well, yeah, but James, James taught a crown. Yeah, I know. Like, did he... I know in that cadence... Oh, are you talking? And I know he taught uh, are there. About, are you talking about the '09 cadence with that crazy snare break that I wrote? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That had the sausage linkers in there. Is this? Well, yeah. That was. It was probably like an ode to 
James. I think yeah, I think he made it up. We'll we'll have to get in touch with him. And be like, James, did you make up the sausage link? He'd be like, Yes. We'll see. I told you. Are the is that, are sausage linkers the five lit rudiment? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like a it's like a book or extended book or something. And then a buzz on the end. It's like just Yeah. Okay. Did you do a hybrid video on those? I'm just kidding. No. I should have. I should have though. Um. So you got 05 and 06. Um, I'm assuming that Colin leaving the scouts is also why you probably left the scouts because then he started to cross over into cadets and when him and uh, Unks were doing like the kind of split role, right, in 08? Or was that 07? Uh, it was 07, yeah. So yeah. Um, I was at scouts 05, 06, and then I remember actually near, I want to say like, like Murfreesboro time, maybe into like Atlanta in 06. I remember like George Hopkins actually coming up to me and he was like looking for Colin. <laughs> of course. You know, so like retrospect, it's like, oh, he was going to hire him for the next season. So anyway, um, yeah, Colin. Well, Madison, Madison 06, complete, like that drum corps, um, it kind of exploded, you know, on a staff perspective, you know, everybody, I don't think anybody came, came back, whether it was, you know, the board kind of cleaning house or, you know, people kind of going their own ways. And even the membership too, I remember 06 to 07 was a, a major change for the scouts in terms of just everything. Um, but yeah, Colin ended up at cadets, uh, with Ian Moyer and I, I guess we haven't talked about Lee Bettis, but Colin, brought in Lee to be a consultant and kind of help run the percussion program at Madison those two years. And those guys kind of have a history of, of teaching together in multiple places and kind of tag teaming over the years, whether Lee was in charge or Colin was in charge. I feel like they would kind of, you know, as friends bring, bring one another in. And so I met Lee um, officially. I had met him before, but I met him officially at Scouts in 05. And so then we were working together there uh, 05, 06. And then, you know, the Madison thing kind of ended and Colin went to cadets and then Lee called me at one point. I think it was like August. I was definitely at band camp in Maine teaching King Philip at the time. Um, and Lee called me and he was like, Hey, uh, I'm talking to a couple of different drum corps. And I wanted to know, like, no matter what, like he didn't really give me a, a name of a core, but no matter what, I want you to come be my snare tech. And, you know, are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll come with you, you know, wherever that is. I didn't know at the time. And then it ended up being uh, Carolina Crown. Um, so, yeah, in 2007, we transitioned down to Crown, and that kind of got that era going. Yeah, you guys, uh, uh, that whole staff, I guess, and design team, you guys, uh, did Andrew roll in in 07 too, Markworth? Yep. Andrew um, was there in 07. Andrew, yeah. Lee, and you, and did James and uh, Rudy come in in 07? Yep. James, and then, uh, Sparling, and Rudy Garcia, yep. Of course, on the brass staff, I guess Michael and them um, had moved in. Yeah, the, the brass thing had kind of already been going. Um, I want to say, I mean, Michael had been arranging there for a number of years before that, but also, you know, Matt Harloff and, you know, Ben and, you know, his team of uh, instructors, they had kind of been there for maybe a couple few years, um, at least since 05, I want to say, but probably before that, maybe even 03 or 04. Um, but yeah, they had kind of gotten the crown brass thing kind of rolling. Um, and I remember hearing crown brass really kind of stick out in 05 being like, whoa, 
that sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? You know, better than I ever had remember hearing yeah. Carolina Crown Sound. So, yeah. But yeah, it was it was cool to kind of be you know on that on that team with Andrew and Lee and James and Rudy and Frank Chapel and Ian Hale and Steve Ballard and all those guys. I'm sure I'm missing a couple guys, but Rob Rob Keaty. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, to be to be on that team and you know with that brass program and you know on Team Crown was great. We were that was really the was kick, awesome. that was the kickstart of the rise of uh, basically I would say what. Carolina Crown is today. Yeah, um, sure. 07, the Horse Show, 2008, the uh, Finney Show, and then obviously 09, it was just like rising in the ranks, and then also the shows were just super fun. Uh, the grass is always greener, obviously, which is my first year. It was funny, too, you were talking about your first summer being like survival mode, and I remember people telling me, like, man, that, that show was so hard, and I never knew how hard it was until like later, mm-hmm. until like the next summer. And I was like, man, this is way easier. And I could never figure out if it was just the show was easier. It was like my second year. I wasn't a rookie. It was easier. But I was right. just kind of naive. I was like, I guess this is just how hard it is. I don't know. I had um, the same whatever. I had the same experience at Blue Stars. I remember getting to the Rhythm X camps in 2011. And there were guys like Dan Shack was from Marsh Cavaliers in 10. Evan came from Crown mm-hmm. in summer of 10 and all that stuff. And a couple mm-hmm. other guys from their various cores. And me and Travis Peterman had marched blue stars that summer and my first summer just like evan said and like i had no clue how hard our drill was and all of those guys were like man you guys were running like crazy the whole show and to me it was just drum corps i had nothing to compare yeah, to and it was hard it, it was hard but i just figured that's what everyone was doing and then when i watched the finals dvd i'm like man they're like have they left the same 15 yard range in the past 60 seconds like what is going on <laughs> They're wearing blue, probably not. <laughs> but then, and, uh, so you guys kind of created the rise of Crown, and like there were so many milestones during your tenure there. Obviously, I remember in 09, um, kind of halfway through the summer, we had beaten Cadets, and I think that was the first time Crown had ever beaten them ever um, in overall scoring. I think 08, um, actually. 08? Orlando, yeah. Because okay. I remember we were like, we were like excited and we were like rocking the bus and Kevin Smith, got mad. <laughs> <laughs> which Kevin, Kevin Smith doesn't get mad. So, and yeah, I don't know that Kevin's... he was actually mad. I'm sure he was really happy actually, but you know, also. don't rock the bus. Yeah. The end of that. But, but yeah, no, definitely. Oh nine, you know, we kept going and I think Oh nine definitely as a percussion section. Um, you know, I don't know that we had beaten cadets uh, in 08 as a percussion section. I don't remember, but definitely in 09. And they were great in 09. I mean, we were we were rocking with them all the way to the end as well. Yep. And then, obviously, there through the first championship um, mm-hmm. and all that. And then uh, there was kind of, I guess, like, changing of just like things here and there. And then you decided to go and join back up with Colin in 16, right? Uh, 17. So I actually did 10, 10 years at crowns, uh, seven, oh, seven through 16. Um, but yeah, in that time there, I mean, you know, Bettis was there from oh seven through 11. So five years with Bettis and then, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hannum came in in 12 and, you know, obviously he's still there. Um, but that was my second, my second five years to make the 10 with Hannum. So, yeah, I mean, I think the cool thing for me is obviously 
having experience with Tom as a student and then kind of, you know, being a colleague and just, you know, learning from him on, on so many different levels. Um, yeah, I just kind of need just to be around that kind of, that level of excellence. Um, and, and like we were talking about lineages before, you know, with Moorhead and the guys that you guys know, but like, I mean, Bettis was a Hanum student at, at Garfield and, and Unst was a Hanum student at Garfield and then Unst taught Bettis and, you know, Colin is in there, you know, like, so it's kind of a neat little quote unquote little drumming family tree here. Yeah. You know? um, where, where and when did Colin Marsh? I just realized I have uh, no clue. Um, Colin marched no, Colin, no, no, no. Colin never marched cadets. Colin marched Boston, actually. Um, and and then he went to Vanguard. Yeah. The legendary 92 Vanguard. Yeah. 92. And then Colin aged, I don't know if he aged out or just didn't go back. I think he aged out at Vanguard, but uh, he taught at star in 1993 with Bettis, with Hannum. Right. So, uh, you know, you can see how that kind of, mm-hmm. well, that's exactly what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Bettis went on to Phantom and uh, Star left and did Brass Theater and then they turned into Blast and then Tom and Colin, uh, Tom Hannum and Colin kind of reemerged from doing that and took over the Crossmen and then Hannum kind of got out of it and focused on Blast and UMass and Colin then went to Glassman and Lee was, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's all kinds of like intertwining little network and stuff networks. Yeah, exactly. But it's really neat um, to kind of know where it all came from. But yeah, um, after, after crown, <clears throat> I moved on to Boston or, you know, but like you said, back with Colin, um, yeah, you know, I think it was, you know, after 10 years at crown, um, and going through a lot, you know, certainly in 10 years, there's a lot to experience ups and downs, um, you know, positives, negatives, uh, successes, failures, you know, all those things. Um, you know, I certainly love my time there. Um, and you know, a lot of the people that I worked with and obviously the students, um, you know, guys like you, obviously here we are, but, um, yeah, it was just, you know, I think time for a change and, you know, the Boston thing was kind of a, a, a rebrand, uh, if you will. And, you know, a lot of the team at Boston are people that I've worked with, you know, for a, a lot of years, um, not only in drum corps, but also in marching bands and, and uh, you know, WGI and that kind of thing. So it, it just felt, it felt like a good fit. And, you know, they took me right into their, their family and you know, took care of me. And, you know, it's been a great, obviously this would have been the fourth year, 2020, but, uh, you know, those first three years, 17, 18, 19 at Boston have been you know, a ton of fun and the core has grown, uh, exponentially. And oh, yeah. it's just been, it's just been really fun to kind of, and I think we, you know, like you said, kind of at crown building, building it into what it is now, you know, like Boston obviously has been around for a long time. Um, it might be like the third oldest drum corps that exists, but, um, you know, cores, it's, it's tough, you know, like cores, all, everybody wants to win, right? Mm -hmm. There can only be one winner, but okay. How do you get to be that good? Well, you know, you need, 
you need a lot of strong things. You need a strong backing. You need a strong board of directors. You need strong design. You need strong teaching. You need strong talent, you know, but, you know, obviously you need strong leadership. So all those things kind of coming together and, you know, as a big plan for Boston, it just kind of, a lot of things fell into place all at once. And I was fortunate to kind of be a part of that, um, that, you know, initial team there in 17 and, you know, kind of create, create a new culture and create a new powerhouse of a drum corps. You know, I think Boston is, you know, definitely seen differently these days than it was maybe 10 years ago or four years ago or whatever. So I I I would say even more differently than four years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to, I mean, I think that that was, that was what they needed, like a fresh interjection. I mean, obviously there was a, a lot of different pieces that came together. Some people from, Crown percussion, cadets percussion, some people from cadets brass, some people from crown guard. Like it was just like this mesh of like, all right, we're just gonna right. put these pieces together and go. And yeah, just and like I think the cool thing about out, like those, yeah, like those people in particular is that they they have those prior relationships. You know what I mean? Like the you know it's essentially kind of the music team um, from cadets. You know, minus Jay Bocook, the corner ranger, but with Ryan George. Um, extremely talented and creative. Um, you know, the music guys at Cadets with Colin and Ian uh, and a lot of the teaching staff um, and Mike Zellers. Uh, and then the visual team kind of from Crown. Um, Leon. You know, Leon and Michael Townsend and, and Keith Potter and, you know, all of the incredible guard team. Uh, and Aaron Bailey, visual caption head. You know, it's just been really cool to, like, have some familiarity uh, in a completely brand new organization you know what i mean um it felt like okay yeah yeah, that we're in a new we're in a new house but like it's all the same friends you know what i mean like it's all the same people which is kind of neat so it felt really comfortable kind of right away and and it was just a lot of fun you know and it continues to be so and from the outside looking into it really seemed like a lot of people too had the opportunity with kind of just starting off on a fresh foot to jump into new roles and new, like, I guess, parts of the ensemble as far as, like, what they're doing. Uh, people who have, like, you were talking about just, like, picking up things from people you've learned with over the years. This just allows you to, like, almost, like, create and adapt, like, what you're able to provide for the core and the students. Um, sure. And not just do, like, this one certain thing, but, like, I'm going to do this now. I mean, this this is going to be my title, which is really cool. Yeah, I definitely you know, have had, uh, an evolution, I guess, um, if, if you will, in terms of like roles that I've filled, um, you know, and I can, I kind of started as a snare tech. I can certainly still be a snare tech. You know, it's not like, you know, as things have evolved, I've forgotten how to from, do. <laughs> yeah. I haven't forgotten how to do what I used to do. It's just, I do this now. So, um, but yeah, as a snare tech and then kind of going into more of a, uh, a coordinator role, a battery coordinator role, uh, and then kind of taking on a, an assistant caption supervisor role and then becoming caption head, um, as well as being a, a co-arranger or, you know, the, the music and then the arranger for the music. Um, uh, and then along with that, as our activities evolved, you know, visually, you know, kind of digging into the visual side of it, the movement, the choreography, the marching stuff, you know, just kind of trying to learn as much as possible and evolve with the activity. So, you know, stay relevant um, and you stay, sure. 
you know, hireable and, you know, people want to have you come in and work with their program. But yeah, definitely kind of an evolution going from the field into, uh, you know, as a teacher into more of a design role uh, in a lot of places. And then also as, you know, an upstairs, you know, in the box, kind of managing rehearsals, managing ensemble, you know, music related things, visual related things. But yeah, it's definitely been kind of a neat progression um, through the years. And, you know, again, just having the ability to kind of learn from some of the best people doing this, um, you know, I certainly owe, you know, all those people, you know, a ton just for having the knowledge, you know, openly shared and, you know, having them coach me as I do what I do and so on. But it's been, it's definitely been fun. I'm sure that that too evolution has just, and this, I guess we'll go to like a PSA for anybody maybe looking to get into something like what you do in the future as far as like a gig, but that evolution of just like cherry picking knowledge and being willing to branch out and not just pigeonhole you like snare tech just enhances your marketability for like what you do now for the plethora of programs that you work with. It's like, well, this is like a list of what I can bring and help your ensemble with, not just this one thing. But like right. visual design, ensemble design, music coordination, like score editing, like just being able to branch out and do all those things. Because, I mean, you work with tons of high schools, uh, some really, really well-known high schools. Are you still with Broken Arrow, too? Yeah. Um, actually, my my last flight of 2020 before we all got shut down was coming back from Broken Arrow. Um, <laughs> It, we were, it was like early March, I think it was like March 4th or something like that. That's a funny date. Um, but yeah, I was in, in town with uh, Jim Wonderlich. He writes the, kind of writes the, the front ensemble and the soundscape. Um, and then Noah Bellamy was in, he does all the staging. So the three of us were in town kind of doing our last uh, trip. We were in there for like two or three days with them, kind of continuing to stage and produce and balance and this and that. Um, yeah, but uh, I've been with Broken Arrow since 2011. And again, like my connection with, with that program is, um, you know, a guy like you, Adam Winkin, uh, was a, a student that I had at Scouts. He marched Scouts 03, 04, 05, 06, went on to Cavaliers for a couple of years. But, you know, if I don't teach Scouts in 05 and 06, I probably don't meet Adam. And then, you know, the rest kind of the rabbit hole down. Yeah. You know, so I've. I remember him, him calling me and he's like, Hey man, uh, I'm in, I'm interviewing for broken arrow. And I was like, Arr! it was like pull off the highway. It's like, dude, make sure you get that job. Like that's a, that's a great program, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and then he, he got the job and he called me. He's like, Hey, you know, you want to come in? And every year that I, I kind of started going down there, it just progressively got to be more time spent with them. And then I ended up moving down there, um, for a couple of years before I lived in Indy. But yeah, uh, Broken Arrow. I love uh, love that program. Some great people. Obviously, killer killer programs and yeah. productions come from those guys. So, yeah, so you, you how had many, Broken Arrow. I was going to say Brownsburg, uh, Center Grove, Wald Lake, or something. I don't know. There's like a list, like laundry list of well-known national groups there. But I was going to yeah, say, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little different from year to year. But um, go ahead, Mike. No, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm curious, how many programs do you have your fingerprints on? Like, currently. How many programs do you work with? Current, just high school. Currently. Don't count Boston. Because uh, Boston's the only drum corps, right? Yeah, Boston's the only drum corps. Um, 
But high schools, I guess, like if I just use the, the 2019 fall, right, this past fall, and then what was 2020 winter um, for Scholastic, it would have been, let's see, um, Brownsburg is, that's where I spend actually my most time, Brownsburg, Indiana. That's just north of Avon, so on the west side of Indy. Um, Carmel High School on the north side, I've been with them for since 2016. Um, and then Center Grove on the south side. Uh, I spent a little bit more time with their indoor percussion, kind of a, in a choreographic role or a visual role. Um, but I have done a little bit with their marching band over the years uh, since I've lived in Indy. Um, so those three are my kind of Indianapolis schools, then Broken Arrow um, and Coweta High School. Coweta is another town that's maybe 15 or 20 minutes near uh, just outside of Broken Arrow. I write. I actually write their their music, uh, and I spend some time with their ensemble in the fall. So I think that's it this year. Coweta, Broken Arrow, Carmel, Center Grove, Brownsburg. Quite I a think list. that's it. That's a lot. I was. I, I then you do some oh, stuff. I wrote for a, a Florida school too called Meese um, this past fall and last winter, but this fall. This fall. They're like a Jacksonville area school. So you have to live, breathe, and eat band. That's a lot. I was like, how do you have the time for that many schools? That's wild. How many miles did you fly last year? (laughs) That's the real question. In in 2019, (laughs) I I, I honestly don't know. Actually, you know, it's funny. Like, I fly a lot, but the mileage isn't crazy because, you know, I live in Indy, which is not, not the center of the country, but it's a little more central, right? Yeah. And, you know, kind of... Being a, a loyalist to United Airlines, the, I fly through their hubs a lot, right? So Indy to Chicago is a frequent flight, but that's like a half hour. It's literally like, I'm, yeah. I welcome to 20,000 word now in our descent. You know what I mean? They can't even finish like, <laughs> like a rainbow the friendly yeah. skies. Yeah. So, you know, while there's a lot of flying, the mileage isn't too crazy. I mean, it does rack up, but. Watching your Snapchat stories, like, check out these fresh (laughs) kicks while I'm sitting on the plane. He's got some, he's rocking his Adidas shoes, which I'm a fan of Adidas too. Don't get me wrong. But you're definitely Adidas loyalist. They they make good stuff. Did I actually am a huge Adidas fan, actually, out of the Nike Adidas debate. Definitely on the Adidas Adidas shorts on right now. Yeah. But did did you always want to get, do this as your career? Or was there a point where you were like, yes, I'm all in. This is what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I like made up my mind, like, uh, you know, like 15 year old Zach is like, I want to be a yeah. drumline <laughs> guy. You know what I mean? Or like a marching band person. Like, I don't know that it was really that. Um, I definitely know that I like, as soon as I kind of got into drum corps and, you know, started meeting people you know I, I was meeting people from all over the world you know what i mean like i marched with people from europe and and canada and japan and you know obviously all over the united states and like that was just so cool you know just meeting so many different people and networking with with people that have the same interests um and you know just all these different backgrounds i just thought that was really awesome and like i want to keep this going you know like i want to keep having these experiences and um, you know, obviously with what, what our activity is, it's, you know, it's youth based. So, you know, the rules say you get to a certain age and see you later, you know, it's like, I feel like, 
you know, here we are, we, we get to our peak or we get to our prime form, like as, as performers, you know, 20 or 21 years old or something like that. Right. Um, and then it's like, nope, <laughs> you know, you're done. But I just got to be like where I'm like, you know, consistently doing well, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> a good um, point. Like more of my, like my reps are like, I'm way closer to being accurate all the time than like my first year, you know? And then it's like, ah, you're no, nah, you're done, you know? <laughs> um, so how do you keep it going after they say you can't perform anymore? Well, you know, you start teaching and designing and, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, the avenue that I took. I think the more I did it and as opportunities kind of kept presenting themselves, especially with the drum court thing, it's such a high profile, um, you know, it's, it's, a you know, it's a spotlight, you know, drum corps is known around the world, you know? So as soon as kind of that, somebody like, okay, I like, I like the blue devils or I like the whoever, you know, like, well, who works with the blue devils? Well, you're going to look it up and you're going to see, oh, well, it's Scott Johnson and Scott Chandler. And like, you, you figure out who these people are. Right. And then you're going to get a phone call, you know what I mean? If, you know, if they like the brand and then, you know, kind of the rest has kind of gone that way. Um, whether it's, you know, someone looking you up just via that or, you know, more times than not, it's the connections. You know what I mean? Here we are having this podcast and, you know, the only reason we're having it is because, you know, obviously Evan, I, you were a former student and Mike, I met you, you know, after doing this, it's such a, you know, it's like a tight knit as big as it is. And as many people do it, like, I feel like you kind of, if you don't know everybody, you know who they are. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the degrees, like degrees of separation, of separation are very yeah, low. You yeah. Know, like, yep. Yeah. So, but I just knew that I wanted to have, have those experiences, you know, continue on. And, you know, I'm glad for it. You know, some of my best friends are from, from doing band and drum corps and WGI. And, you know, I've been able to travel via, you know, the skills that I've learned and, you know, to, obviously all over the United States, but to Canada and Japan and Europe and Brazil. I went to South America a few years back with the inhale. I mean, that was, these are, these are things that are like, you know, unless you, you know, are basically made of money and can just like, yeah, I'm just traveling whenever I want. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not like what my life is. It's, you know, it's a lot of like Mike, you were just saying, like, how do you have time to do all these bands? Well, you know, the role, the roles that I have are different with the bands. So, you know, I'm not doing the same thing with every band. So, but that allows for that kind of, um, you know, that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trade any of this stuff. It's have I had, you know, a lot of great experiences and a lot of great places with a lot of great people because of this whole thing. So, so you, yeah, you visiting up, those countries, I mean, it's just like a once in a lifetime opportunity in of itself, which is pretty. Yeah. Safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and to be paid to go there and like not pay for your travel. I mean, come on. You can't beat it. You can't even you can't even go to these places right now. But like, you know, I, I frequent traveler. I'm constantly just looking up airfares like, hey, what would it cost me to go to New Zealand or Australia, or if I wanted to go over to, you know, Germany or wherever, you know what I mean? And like the prices are never cheap, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, and that's like economy, you know, like I'm not even looking at business class or first. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, oh, $30,000. Cool. Well, see you never, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought something up. You mentioned 
and this is really interesting to me talking about the age out rule, how you get to the peak, you get to peak form for most people. Like you peak at 20, 21, where you're comfortable in the activity and your performance ability and just you're comfortable in this zone. And then they just kind of kick sure, you out. Yeah. So do you yeah. think maybe the age out should be increased by a year or two? Or do you think it's good where it is? Are you a fan of it at all? Because Winter Guard, Winter Guard has no age out for indoor color guard. Yeah. Like that's none none whatsoever. Um, I, I mean, I think it's that's a tough question. I mean, I think the color guard thing is, is really cool. I think it's unique. Um, I, I think it would be, you know... It would be cool if the age limit was maybe a little bit higher than it was. You know, maybe people had an extra year or two to do it. Um, I guess the question is, like, if that was the case, would people do it? You know what I mean? Because it's not like it's not like it's free to march. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to pay fees. And, you know, every year it's, it seems to be more expensive to do it. Um, and it definitely does I, I kind of line, really I guess, with life. But- I guess yeah. it does like kind of line up with life, like oh, kind of graduating college ish, and like right, maybe getting ready yeah. to. But kind of yeah, I think there would definitely be some that would take advantage, but not the majority. Yeah, I mean, like for myself, for instance, like if if and it, not now, like I wouldn't if if somebody said like, okay, WGI percussion or DCI percussion or DCI whatever, we're, we've lifted the age limit and anybody can march. Like I wouldn't. I don't think I would go and do it. You know what I mean? I, like wouldn't. I, I wouldn't march. I would not, not now, you know, but like as a 22 year old or a 23 year old, I probably would have, um, you know, especially with WGI. Cause I actually never marched in WGI. Like I said earlier, Mike, my, my high school didn't have a program and in the area at the time when I was in high school, like it just wasn't as big, you know, like the, the WGI scene was nowhere near what it is now. I mean, it's the WGI thing has just grown so much, you know, in, in not only 10 years, but like 15, you know, 15 years, I guess I said that backwards, not only 15 years, but like it's less, like, I feel like every year this thing grows, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of, especially the design, you know, and what people are doing um, with their programs. But like, I just, I wasn't exposed. And by the time I was, I was almost aging out, you know? And and then at that point it was like, okay, if I, if I, and if I wanted to do WGI, I'm going to have to really travel, you know, like rhythm X was just starting kind of at the time. Oh, two, Oh three, somewhere in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, three, I believe get, was the to, first year. Yeah. Like to get to them, that would have been drive all the way across Pennsylvania. And then, you know, whether they're rehearsing in Dayton or Columbus or wherever, like that's still at least to the middle of Ohio or almost all the way across Ohio. You know what I mean? It's a long way. And I was just so invested in the drum corps thing, you know? So it just wasn't a priority for me. And also proximity, you know, I don't, and United Percussion wasn't really what they are now, you know, so that wasn't even really on my radar. Um, At that time, I think they were two different groups. They were like Riptide and, um, I can't even remember, but, yeah. um, you know, yeah. United came Imperial but, dynasty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. So, yeah, I was just really into the drum corps thing, but like if, if the age limit was different and I was back then me, I'm, I think I for sure would have tried to do at least a, a winter or two, if not maybe one more drum corps summer. I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> easy, I guess, to say that now, but I definitely know that I wouldn't do it now. I'd yeah, like, yeah, you know, for sure. I would not. I don't think being, my body could do it now. Being a staff no. member and like I'm, I'm way too adult now to like 
want to put a drum back on and not get paid to wear the drum. You, know I mean? <laughs> you hold it and I'll play on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like when if I'm wearing a drum right now, like I'm gonna get paid to do it. So for sure. For now, sure. Yeah, I've always Evan and I have debated about that whole age out thing multiple times between the two of us and various <clears throat> guests we've had on here. And it's I think like you said, some people would do it but would enough people do it to where it could end up to be a situation where the entry point for new people would just get pushed later because enough people would stick around longer. So it would just make it most people don't start till you're 19. So you end up only getting three years or two years anyway for most people on average. So it's, it's who knows? I I don't think it would be that, right. but you never know. It's just an interesting thought experiment yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think it just depends. You know, it really depends on the person. And then, Evan, you were kind of alluding this, this to this too, like where you're at in life. You know, I, to kind of bring this up, actually, with, with the coronavirus thing, um, <clears throat> DCI and WGI have extended, right, the age limit yeah. for a year. Yep. But, you know, as great as that is, like, I, is everybody that's eligible going to be able to do it? Or do they even want to do it? You know what I mean? Like, a year, a year of time, as, as short as that seems in the grand scheme of time, a lot goes on in a, a year. You know what I mean? Especially like when you're 21, 22. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like things change, man. You know, like for my, I, I just moved. You know what I mean? Like I'm actually lucky that drum corps didn't happen because I'm I moved from my house into an apartment like during what would have been moving. You know what I mean? I like. I'm supposed to be at moving. I can't move, you know, like, so, yeah. um, anyway, case in point, just like stuff changes, you know, things yep. change. You got to roll with, roll with the punches as, yeah. as Colin would say. Yep. <clears throat> if I had to guess, I would say that less than a third of people will take advantage of their bonus or like extra year, just throwing out a random percentage, but or fraction, but that's probably we'll a fair guess. That's probably a fair guess, but I think a couple groups, like the group of members are going to get together and go, all right, let's let's do this again. Because for example, the blue coats were going to have a snare line this summer of all vets. Like there wasn't going to be a single person in that snare line that hadn't marched blue coats before. It was. It would not surprise me if that group all decides collectively. Yep, let's make this happen. We're going to do it again. Yeah, I mean, run them back, and, yep. and that's super cool. You know what I mean? Like if, if I was in that snare line and that was the case and we had the opportunity to, you know, kind of get a free pass again, like I, I would, I would be down. Yeah, you I know? probably would too. <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. You just cut out a little bit. I was just saying hit up the group me. All right, guys, we're running it back. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. You know, I know for, for Boston, you know, we're, we're basically the, the membership of 2020, uh, you know, is locked in for 2021. I mean, obviously I say that now, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but you know, we've been having some zoom calls and we, you know, we've got something in the works that's going to release at some point, um, this summer. I'm not sure if it's going to be before July or once into July, but we're all pretty excited about you know, putting it together and every, you know, all, it's just cool to see, see the membership, you know, and, and hear Colin and we've got a great board of directors, you know, that pops in on the call and Chris Holland, the director comes in and the support is just through the roof, um, which is really great. Um, and I think it's important that the members see that too, but like everybody's just, you know, as bummed as we all are that this isn't, you know, our, our normal drum corps thing isn't happening. Um, it's, 
it's nice to still have something, you know what I mean? And like, you know, have an outlet to, to produce something, especially with technology these days. I mean, I, you, you guys see these like every day you scroll through your phone and it's just like these, these tiled videos, compilation yeah. videos of people playing, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's feel good stuff. You know what I mean? It gives you something that you're, you miss, you know what I mean? Um, For sure. So we're excited about doing that. I know that like all the Boston, all the Boston crew is really excited about it too. So actually I don't know that anybody knows that. So I'll give you a little inside knowledge there. Oh, a little knowledge drop, a little bomb drop. You heard it here first, folks. Stay, stay <laughs> tuned. Boston, Boston Battery coming at you. 2020, it's coming late <laughs> June or sometime July. Nice. Whoever's doing the editing. Yeah. Well. Yeah, right. I'm looking. I'm looking at the list of topics that Evan sent out before we all kind of got together on this call, and I think we've hit everything. Evan, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think we got through the 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 good meat of everything. Uh, I'm sure we could always tell stories for hours, oh, yeah. but we won't tie we won't tie Zach up too much. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead. Not like and, uh... I'm not like I'm doing a ton right now at 10:24 p.m. <laughs> yeah. on yeah. a Monday night. Truth for sure. I'm sure I'd still be like coming off the field. Right? Oh, it's 10:24. We'd probably be done by this time. I'd probably be uh, going to hang with the staff somewhere. Yep. Nope. Yeah. For, like oh a, for an apple juice or a glass of milk or something. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Just <laughs> exactly that. But all right, let's uh let's close this thing out. So thanks everyone for hanging around this long. If you have, uh, I'll reiterate this reel from the beginning. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts to never miss an episode. Like, comment on the video or the episode. Hit us up on patreon.com slash podcast for any kind of financial support you want to give us. And Zach, this has been amazing. Thanks for hanging out with us. Dude, uh, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to kind of just wrap about this stuff. And obviously, you know, I can see Evan right now. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, just just fun to talk about it. You know, it's like I said, it's, you know, not having it. It's like a nice little outlet to kind of reminisce about some things and and get a little bit of the feels you know in some way a little bit so thank you guys i appreciate it nope. yeah man we thank appreciate you. you so we'll see everybody in a couple of weeks peace see ya